But we're talking about character and about how character counts in the life of the believer. I would ask you in your life, and if you haven't been here for the other Wednesday night services over the last couple, we'll review real quickly the, the, the first two that we had. This is the third part in the series. But if character counts, what does yours add up to? You know, as you look at your life and as we move into January and we start heading toward the end of the year, how many of you know December came very quickly last? I mean, it was all of a sudden it was July 4th and then it was Labor Day and then all of a sudden we were putting up a tree in our house and I couldn't figure out why we were putting lights up in the middle of August and I realized it was not August, it was December. So things happen very quickly. And if you're just trying to keep up with today and not going forward with what God has for you, you end up getting left behind. And too many believers have lived their life and woke up 15 years later only to remain and be the person that they were way back when. And they never changed, and their life never changed, and there was never any character or integrity in their life, and they traded it all for what they thought at the moment might have been fulfillment and achievement. You know, you take that piece of yourself that you say you stand on, and you take that part of yourself that says, this is who I am, and this is what I believe, and then when a moment comes where you could possibly trade that thing for achievement or fulfillment or for progress in your life, you let that character thing go. You deny what you know is the truth in the Word of God, and you put that aside, and you go after the things that make you, know, you happy, or you go after the things maybe that get you advanced in your job or advanced in a relationship or whatever that might be. And what you find is you go after those things, and achievement and fulfillment become right in your life. You end up going down the wrong path, thinking you're going forward, but only falling farther behind. And so we've talked about a little bit the foundation, and the foundation in the believer's life, if you're going to be a person of great character, a person of integrity, really ultimately we want to be like Jesus because he had the greatest character and he is the one who we're supposed to as believers emulate on this earth. You think he got angry? Do you think he got anxious? Do you think that that he wandered around, you know, cheating on people and lying to people and, you know, all, no, that wasn't the way that he was. It's not the way that he lived his life. He wasn't anxious. I don't think he found himself anxious. I don't think he was angry, although there was the moment in the temple where he upturned the tables and they called that righteous anger. But he wasn't walking around grumpy, screaming at his disciples. He shook his head, I'm sure, you know, those many times. Boys, 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 boys. Why do you just not have faith? But he didn't go off on them, even though they maybe deserved it. See, even though somebody might have done something against him, he didn't, he didn't give them the what for. But then why are we as believers in today's world feeling like we're justified to give somebody the what for? I'm having to be careful now. I, I can't honk the horn. I, you know, when somebody starts making me irate and upset, I always say they're about ready to get the horn. That means things are going to get pretty ugly here in just a second. The Pastor John's about done. And uh, she said, you better not, ought not do that now. You're the pastor. And I said, oh, I can't, probably can't be honking the horn at people anymore. So I've been very nice to people on the road. That's helped me in my character. Is, uh, <laughs> you know, knowing that that person in front of me might be one of you. <laughs> Before, I didn't care. <laughs> I wasn't in charge. You got the horn. But now it's important. So I can't be messing up that, <laughs> can't be messing up that relationship. <laughs> we define character, you know, when we talked about it in the very beginning, we define character as, as the will to do what's right as God defines right. See, as the word of God says and as he speaks to us by his Holy Spirit, regardless of the cause, regardless of the sacrifice and, and where we find ourselves, you know, we're going to do what's right as the word says and as the Holy Spirit leads us regardless of what we feel like at the moment it may cost us, whether it be time or sacrifice or maybe it be finances in our life as God leads us into a new arena in that place, whether it's an opportunity to exercise and to eat right when God's asking us to be healthy and we're crying out, God, I need to be healed, and he says you need to eat right and exercise. 
And you say, no, I just need you to knock off this 50 pounds. And I'll stay in my prayer closet for a week here if you just knock off the 50, you know, and I'll be okay. It doesn't work that way. I haven't had it happen. And I prayed for a long time. I mean, I had to go to the gym and sweat a lot and work really hard to get that. We said that the foundation really in the believer's life, as you, as you grow into the person that God has for you to be, as you become the man and woman of integrity who walks in great character, the foundation has to be the word of God. That was the first lesson and the first thing that we talked about in the beginning of the year on Wednesday was that the foundation of the believer's life has to be the word because we're going to face things, we're going to face situations, we're going to face opportunities to trade character for fulfillment and achievement. But if our life is built and founded on the rock, the word of God on Jesus Christ, when those times come, we are so in love with him and we care so much more about what he says about us and what he has written about us and what he is doing for us and how much we love him, then we don't even care about the other stuff and we stand firm on the rock. And that when the trials and the tribulations come, we're standing in the test of time. Now, it's been how many years later, and you're still here. Why are you still here? Because I'm based and founded on the Word of God. I'm a man and a woman of great integrity. I follow after the Word and after the Spirit of God. And when those things happen, I stand on the Word firm. I am shod in all the armor. I got my sword and got my shield. And I am standing up against the wiles of the enemy. Well, I don't know what else to do. Then keep standing. That's what it says in Ephesians, right? When you've done all you know to do, stand. Don't give in. Don't run. It says stand. Stand where? On the rock. And you do so by faith. Those were the two things that we talked about the first week. The foundation has to be the word of God, and you live the word of God in your life by faith. We don't get a shortcut because we're Christians. Actually, that's where the work begins. Now, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, but it doesn't mean that you won't actually go to work. He calls us his soldiers. We're part of his army, and we're in his home and his household, and we will fight the fight of faith. So we're going to have to stand and we're going to have to fight. And it does, we do so knowing the word of God, but we have to do so by faith. We don't get the shortcut and we don't get the other chance. And then as we talked about in the next week when we came back, we said that's fantastic, but then, then how do we become Christ-like? How do we become like Jesus? How is it that as we grow in Christ, when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, and we say, fantastic, I know in the word of God it says I'm a new creature in Christ. And we go out the next day, and now we're the same person that we were before. You know, how is it that we grow from being a baby Christian to being a mature Christian who follows after the word? Well, you begin to abide in him. We said that it it doesn't matter how much time you give it. It doesn't matter how hard you try. We use Bill Bill O'Brien as an example, right? We said we could drop the plans down, give him all the time. We could tell him, you know, there's nothing, man, that you don't have right now. But could you go build us a building? And now Bill's decent in construction. He can build some things and he can do some things. But if you just dropped the plans in his lap and you gave him like three years, I don't know that he would probably have the... I mean, even Noah was given the plans. He was given how to do it. He was given the grace to do it. I mean, he had all of those things and it took him all of those years to come up with the ark. We're not necessarily in that place. That it doesn't matter how hard you try as a believer, in your own strength and your way, you'll never become like Christ. You'll shortcut things. Would you like to be in the building of someone who shortcut things? You know, it becomes, you know, it becomes a little bit of a catastrophe if you hang out long enough. You know, you end up, have you ever bought the house and you end up trying to figure out why the electric doesn't work and when you turn on the light switch, the garage door goes up and down, you can't figure it out. And then when you go up in the attic, you find that they didn't even have anything but one circuit and they plugged everything in the house to it. That's the believer who's trying to do God things their way. And you can't ever grow that way as a believer. 
You can't ever become like Christ trying to do things the way that you feel they should be done. I think sometimes believers, we, we, we get, it, we get the, the, the direction from God, but then we stop right there and we say, okay, then if we're supposed to be over, then we're going to figure out how to get there. He's not only just giving you where you're supposed to be, he's giving you the directions, he's giving you the car to get there, he's told you how to turn it on, he's going to take you there. If he puts you in that place, don't stop and say, you know what, I know you wanted me to fly, but I feel like I should probably drive. I mean, if somebody gave you a ticket somewhere, would you decide, you know what, I don't want that ticket, I'm going to go ahead and do it my own way. I'm going to go this direction, I'm going to go over here, I think this is a better opportunity. And as believers, you begin to do that. But if you'll abide in him, it says in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I abide in him, he will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And we talked about how important it was as believers to be attached to the, to the vine, that we're the branches and that the, the fruit grows on the branches. The fruit doesn't grow on the vine, but the life is in the vine. And see, here's the thing. We're always looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. But because we're hooked to him, because we abide in him and we are of him, the lifeblood that flows through the throne, through Jesus into us by the spirit, by the power of God, then that produces life on the inside of us. And through that life comes fruit. And believers try to have great character and believers try to walk in integrity. But many times we try to do so in our own strength. And the problem is we can't do that. It says without him, it says, you can do nothing. The key then to having great character, Christ-like character in your life is abiding in him. And if you can abide, then you'll have good fruit. It's like the fruit of the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will have the fruit of the spirit in your life. If you walk in the flesh, you'll have the fruit of the flesh. And the fruit of the flesh stinks. It's no good. It's no fun. It's, it's not what we're looking for as believers. We're looking for the fruit of the Spirit. But how can we? It doesn't make sense, right? That I can walk in the flesh and expect to have the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I mean, most of us are mature and have known Christ for a long time. Does that make sense? Is it possible that I can go out and say, you know what? I know this is all the truth. I know the Word of God is the way I'm supposed to live. And I know it says I'm supposed to do this, this, and this. And God is leading me by my Spirit. You know, He's leading me to do this and this. But you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to go over and I want to try something a little bit different over here. But I am expecting all of God's blessings in abundance. So that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense to us. So as believers, if we're going to be people of great character and we're going to follow after Him, we're going to be Christ-like in this earth, then we have to be attached to His vine. But the deal is, if you're attached to His vine, then you'll have fruit. Because the life flows in the vine, through the branch, and out comes the fruit. You're not the person who determines character. You're not the person who acts out character in this life. Character really is developed through you by that life that's in the vine. And really, as believers, we're supposed to be like the salt and the light. We're supposed to be the ones who are walking in this earth with great character. I mean, isn't it something to go into a place and you're dealing with somebody, they don't have character, and they have no integrity, and you're trying to figure out, man, how am I going to buy a car from this person, or how am I going to go to the doctor, and this guy's just a jackal. I mean, how am I going to go to the bank, and I'm going to try to, you know, do something here, and this guy, I know this guy is not a believer, and man, he's just, he's just doing everything he can to take me, take me for all I'm worth. But then what is it like when you deal with Christian people, and then and you come out with the same feeling? You know, what if your pastor was like that? Or what if the person, you know, the people in your church were like, I mean, how, what, what kind of place would that be? I mean, who are we supposed to count on? We're supposed to count on Christ. We're supposed to count on God. But if we were all living like we're supposed to be living and we're all abiding in the vine and God's character is being produced through us, 
developed through us. We have fruit on our tree. What a great place that would be. You would talk about a place where we would have more than enough. See, a place where all the needs would be met for the church and for the people of the church and the people in the community. The church is supposed to be the greatest provider of all those things, not the government. See, it was the church who was supposed to be the ones who took care of the poor and took care of the widows and took care of the needy and did all those kind of things. But the government has come in where the church is let down and the government's tried to take over and the government can't do a Christian job. They can't do God's job in the world. They're the government. But who are God's people? We are. So if we can all get an idea of what this is, if we can all understand that God wants... And you may be here and say, you know what, I'm abiding in the vine and I got some fruit. But it says that he'll prune you back even in that place and you'll produce what? More fruit. So this just isn't for the person who's, who's wandering around thinking, well, you know, I, I kind of got it together, so I'm all right. Ah, it says if you go back in there. It says those who don't have fruit, it says he lifts up. He puts up into the place. And we talked about the vineyard and how the vine grows the fruit and as the fruit on, the, on a grapevine is up in the air everything's all hanging so the ones that have fallen on the wayside and fallen on the ground he'll pick up they're not bearing any fruit and he puts it on the top to give them an opportunity but those who have fruit and the branches that are growing and they have all those things in their life those he prunes back because when you begin to prune back that begins to multiply the places where the fruit can come out i've shared this story before and elizabeth she likes to she likes to get flowers and she gets like six of them and it drives me nuts let's just get 40 of them you know, in the beginning of the year, why not get 40? Well, she loves to go out to those six, and when they get flowers, she picks all the little things off. Well, now they're just green twigs again, and all the flowers are gone. But in a, in a short period of time, in a month, those six have all of a sudden multiplied to be like 60. And then I'm, then I'm out there plucking them. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I know I can see this, that if you, like, take all the flowers off, then there's, like, a bunch more flowers a little bit later. That's what God wants to do in the life of the believer who's hooked to the vine and who is growing fruit is then to prune back a piece here and a piece there. And he may clip that little part of you and he may clip that little part over there. But then all of a sudden those sprout out a couple more branches in a couple more places. And it allows that branch to be more fruitful. And that's what we all want to be is more fruitful. But the keys we said to abiding in him would be to think relationally and not religiously. That it's about in a relationship, being, being a hook to the vine and abiding in him is about relationship, not, not religion. It's not about checking church off the list. It's not about checking things off the Bible reading plan. It's about living the things that you read in the Bible reading plan. That's relationship. It's not about just hearing what the pastor said, but it's about putting those things to practice in your life and saying, God, I want to be all that you created me to be. That's relationship. The second thing was about association and not imitation. That as you associate with, you enter into a union, we said, it means unite, join together as partners, not just impersonate. To not just go out there and impersonate Jesus, but to be in a partnership with him, that wherever you're present, since you're in a partnership, you represent him and he is in that place. That's association. And the last thing we said about abiding in him was not to think that I can't, but to think that he can. You have to change your way of thinking. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight in the last few minutes here that we have as we go into the last part. Because if those are all the cases and we have to abide, then, 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 then how is it? I mean, I want, I want to abide in him and I, I want to be in that place and I don't want to leave. And, but, but there's times where I just like, I just don't want to do that anymore. 
You know, I mean, have you been there where it's like in your heart you want to wake up early and you want to read the Bible and you want to pray and, and, you know, in your heart you want to be at church early because, you know, God's got something really good and you want to be excited. But in your mind, you know, you're thinking about, oh, I got to go home and I got to cut the grass and I got to shovel the snow and probably not at the same time, but, you know, different seasons. You know, and you're thinking, oh, I just know that person's going to sit next to me and I don't really like them and, you know, they kind of smell and... You know, I mean, who, who knows what that might be? Probably smell good, Bill. You know, it's probably perfume, you know, and it bothers you, whatever. But, you know, I mean, I, I, and what's happening, see? All of a sudden, your mind and your flesh is entering, it's all entering in. And what is it doing? You want to abide. I mean, you want to read the Word. You want to pray. You want to say, God, I want to do everything that you can for me. He lays out his plan for you that day, and you think that's awesome. You go out the door, and it's like, oh, I'm going to go back inside. Why do you want to go back inside? Because back inside the presence of God, and you didn't carry it with you out the door. You went out the door and left it there. And you stopped abiding, and all of a sudden you started living by the flesh, by the thing up here, and by your flesh, your body, and what you think, and what you feel, and like, ugh. So if you're going to abide in Him, and you're going to abide in Him when you walk out of your door, your prayer closet, you have to begin. You have to understand what it means to be renewed. You have to understand renewal because God is at work in you. It says so. If you look in Philippians in chapter 2. Drat this new Bible. I was getting ready and there was something I wanted to look at and I was going all through it and I thought, you know what, it's not in here because I wrote it in that other one. (sighs) Yes, Pastor Bill was always after us. I don't need a new Bible. Yes, you do. Now I found out why he didn't. It says in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as much in my presence only, but now so much more in my absence, work on your own salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, here it is, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. But it's God working in you. How many of your prayers are, God, would you please fix him? Would you please fix her? Would you please fix this situation? God, if you could change my job, things would be great. God, if you would change my boss, if you would change my wife, if you would change my kids, if you would change my neighbors, see, if you would just make a way for me to have more money, this would all be right. It doesn't say that God's working out there, although his word does say that he does work out there. But I believe that first he begins to work in here in you. It says so. It says he works inside you. See, he works in you both to will and to do. You want to and you will. See, will and to do means I want to do it and I do it. He works in you that way if you'll allow him. But if you won't allow him to, then what's the deal? What's the difference? See, your flesh and your mind aren't necessarily lined up that way, but your spirit man is. And if you can understand spirit, spirit, soul, and body, you understand the spirit man can be in charge if you renew your mind and live your body as a sacrifice. Live your life as a sacrifice, but your body is a sacrifice. I mean, if you will do those things, it does work in that order. But I'm telling you what, as the believer, that takes some serious know-how. That takes you saying, you know what? I'm going to do it regardless. I am going to be hooked to this vine. And if I got to get an extension of this vine and it's going to go out my house and get in my car, it's going to follow me everywhere I go. Put the put CD that you were listening to in the house in your car. Put it in the thing at work. Surround yourself with the word of God. Write those scriptures down. That's taking that presence that was in that place where you were abiding in him and seeing fruit. And when you walk out your door, that allows you to do that. You're renewing not just your mind, but you're renewing your world. Everywhere that you go, see, you're being reminded of who Christ is. What is that doing? That's renewing your mind to the Word. And if you get the spirit man in charge and the mind renewed to the Word of God, your body doesn't, like, he doesn't have a chance. 
But as soon as you get your body and your mind in cahoots, the spirit man's in trouble. You got to stay strong in the spirit. Begin to pray in the spirit. It increases who you are. It doesn't delete you. It increases you. You don't get depleted. Renewal makes you different. See, it's, it's what happens after John 3.16. It's what happens after Romans 10, where it says that you believe and you receive. It ha- it's what happens after 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says you're a new creature in Christ. Yeah, all that happens at salvation, but who you're going to become in Christ happens after that, not at that moment. I believe that God turns you into a new creature, that your spirit man is alive, but from that point to, to where you, it's going to be you renewing your mind to the word of God. It's going to be you getting a revelation of what this thing says about you and your situation and your family. I believe that you have all the opportunity in the world at that moment that you receive Christ, but then it's what you do after that moment that determines whether you abide in the vine or not. So if we're going to be people of great character, we're going to be people like Christ in this earth, and we're going to have fruit in our branches, we've got to understand what it means to be renewed. See, because we're all like our house when we come to Christ. And this summer, my wife painted our house. I like to say that I was a big part of that, but I was no part of that. You know that if you've been around here. She did a great job, and our house is beautiful. It looks lovely. I mean, it's great. I mean, I, I love it. Every time I come home, I just smile. I didn't have to do hardly anything, and that makes me smile more. But here's the deal. When we looked at our house before the summer, when we looked at our house over the last couple years, the paint was chipping and peeling. It was in great need of repair. And how many of you have come to Christ and that's the way that you were? You were a mess. Not many people have it all together and come to Christ. Most of us have an issue or two. And when we looked at our house, you know, we, we, we looked at it and thought, you know, not only does it, I mean, it's going to need paint. So we could have, we could have just walked up to the house, take bucks of paint, man, and just, just put paint all over it, painted it all brown like it is. Could have gotten rid of the gray and just, yeah, I know. I mean, it's making everybody like, no, you don't do that. Why not? Because shortly there, I mean, it may look pretty for a couple of weeks, but man, we had to, I mean, there were boards that were rotten. There were places that need to be replaced. There was stuff that needed to be scraped and sanded, and there was hard work and labor that had to be done to get the house to the point where when we put the paint on it and when we changed the outside of it, it was going to stick and it was going to stay. It's no different than, the, than it says about the seed and how it's planted. If you go into Mark in chapter 4, it's the parable of the sower. See, we took that house and, I mean, she scraped and she, man, she went at it. I scraped the garage door and said, that is enough. <laughs> And our house is big, and it's all wood, and it's changed her perspective on what she wants. We were driving around the lake this summer with Joe and his boat, and we were looking at all the pretty houses up in the lake. And I, you know how you dream, and you float around in the boat. And I said, how about that one? And, you know, it used to be, oh, yeah, that's really nice. I like, oh, that one would be great. And now she goes like this, too much wood. That one needs painted. I'll never live there. I mean, it's going <laughs> to be brick. I tell you, the next thing we do is going to be brick because it changed it changed. And as a believer, if you'll go through the process, it'll change you wanting to go back. See, I mean, if you've put in the hard work and you've put in the effort and you've sacrificed the stuff and you've gotten rid of the old, when you get to be that new creature in Christ who truly is being renewed by the Spirit of God and becoming all that God wants you to be, you don't want to go back anymore. And man, she scraped and she did things and she screwed. We had to like, Andy and I had to like cut like a whole big piece out of the back of the house and go get new wood and put it up in there. And then when she got done scraping it, she, I'm like, are you ready to go? No, I got to caulk. So I got to caulk all the seams and all the cracks and all the places. And she caulked everything in the house, 38 tubes of caulk somewhere. I mean, it was crazy. 
she's got Rachel out there, our daughter, and she's caulking stuff. She loves to caulk. If anybody needs that done, she'd probably do it cheap. She somehow got a real kick out of that. It was like icing a gigantic cake to her. She was doing all kinds of things. She put in her earphones, man. She just would all day long. And her mom wouldn't let her just wipe the caulk off. You had to wipe the caulk off and then use that little glob, and you had to use that on the next line. I mean, it was serious work. And then when all that got done, then you weren't finished. No, no, then you had to prime the whole house with this nasty oil-based primer that wouldn't come off anything. For about four or five weeks, she was covered in just stuff. It was sticky paint, and it was old stuff, and it was gross. But then there was this moment where she, she spray-painted the house, seeing it like a day. She sprayed the whole thing, and it was big and brown. And now, see, the paint's not going to go anywhere. I mean, and if you'll if you allow yourself to step into, if you'll allow the Word of God really to change you, it says in Romans, right? I mean, it, it says that the Word of God, if you renew your mind to the Word, you'll be transformed, completely changed. Our house is completely changed, and we don't have to worry about pieces of it falling apart anymore. We didn't hide anything in the closet like we talked about last week. See, we weren't hiding skeletons in the closet in the basement so when people came over, it looked nice. I mean, we were really, truly, I mean, when you go over there, it's kind of like, wow, who painted this house? It looks like a real painter did it. And she'll take you out and show you too. Yeah, it does look good. But, but you have to realize, I mean, it's that kind of work. As a, I mean, if you're going to abide in the vine, not just in your prayer closet, not just here at church, but out in your life, everywhere that you go, if you're going to be a person of integrity and character, when you go out there and be like Jesus, you, you have to allow the word of God really to transform your life. How do you do that? Renewal. Renewal. Renewal brings transformation. It says so. Look there in Romans. You had it up there. Let's read that. Romans chapter 12. It says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable, which is, into your, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We'll get to that in a minute. But it says that you be conformed to this, you not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the word. It's not about rededicating your life. It's about renewing your mind. See, I mean, you do have to rededicate your life. You do have to come to Christ. You do have to receive him as your Lord and Savior. But at that point, he's done the work that he's done, and now you're going to have to walk it out through renewal. Your mind's going to have to be renewed to the Word of God, and I'm telling you, that is a day-by-day process. And as I shared with the young people last night, you may go through something today, and it may be a minefield in your life, and it may be a trial, maybe a test. I don't know what you call it. There's just going to be obstacles in the path that God has for you. You're just thinking that the next thing down the road is going to be better. There's just going to be bigger obstacles. I didn't want to ruin their life for them, but I told him, I mean, you're 20 years old, but I'm telling you what, by the time you're 40, you're going to be past these things. You're going to be bigger, stronger, and better, but there's going to be bigger and tougher obstacles and tests and trials for you to walk through down there. I haven't found a place yet. Have you found a place yet where you got to go through that test and trial and went, whew, thank God, and then didn't turn around and see more? I mean, that, that's, you know, I mean, that you're growing. You're growing and maturing, not just in your physical and natural body, but spiritually you have to be growing and maturing. And that means that you're constantly, see, you're constantly going through renewal. It's not a one-day thing. It's not just a VBI thing. We've got plenty of people who went through VBI and we saw their life change for nine months as they sat under the teaching and sat under the word of God and the anointing of God changed their life. They walked away nine months later, never went back, never continued that, never renewed their mind a day after that and all of a sudden they fell by the wayside and they're gone. 
There are people who know the word. There are people who live by faith. There's people whose lives that were changed, who got jobs they didn't think they could get, who had God pouring blessings in their lives, who were healed by their stripes, whose lives were totally changed. Their minds were clear, and now they could think right, and they could do things. But it wasn't because of them. It was because of him. And it's because they abided in the vine and they allowed that life to flow through them. They began to see fruit. And what they do? They unhooked themselves from the vine and said, man, I got some fruit now. And went out there and then all of a sudden, flub off. They need to get themselves back up, get their little grapes, run back over here and plug back into the vine. And let God begin to work on their life again. Let that lifeblood flow right through them. See, living sacrifice is part of the problem because we're living, we crawl back off the altar. How many times have you gone crying to God and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I made a mistake, I made a mistake, I'll never do it again. And then, you know, you lay down and you do all your things and then like six months later, where are you doing that again? See, you can't stay on the altar. You can't, you know, you can't stay on the altar. You're a living sacrifice. That means that you have to walk that same sacrifice, not hang it out on the altar because you climb back off. You renew your mind to the word of God and you won't have to worry about that. If you stay renewed, if you walk in renewal, your life is being transformed and changed. And you don't go back, you stay abiding. His life flows through you and there comes the fruit. That's the way that it goes. I mean, you can strengthen your effort. You can deepen your resolve. You can deepen your commitment. You can do all those things. But in themselves, they don't cause transformation. Just because you prayed harder and you read more and you did, that doesn't cause. See, you have to understand. You have to be renewed. You have to get a revelation. You have to have the Spirit of God help you understand what that is and begin to live that in your life. That's a revelation and that's renewal. I know a lot of people who read the Bible a bunch of times, but they're not living the life, and they're a mess. Many times in jail, people, man, they, they know the Bible backwards and forwards. They know the Bible well enough to get messed up on it. But there's no renewal. There's no walk. And where's your character found in your walk? Where's the fruit found in your walk? And so if we neglect that part of it, then, then where are we going to go and where are we going to be? Renewal brings transformation. You have to think about it. You have to work with him. And too many believers want to work on their own. They want to be their own boss, want to be their own thing. But you have to do things his way. It's his thoughts, really, that you're trying to capture. It's his thoughts that you're trying to think. In Isaiah 55, it says, his ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. Now, do you not think that if we would renew our mind to the word of God, if we would not open ourselves up in that way, being attached to the vine, and that his life is flowing through us, do you not think then that we would begin to think his thoughts and we would begin to walk in his ways? And what happens is his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So the things that we think and the way that we might go isn't necessarily the way that he would have us go. He would rather go a different direction in a different way. He would rather have us think a different thought. How many of you have said something to somebody in your family who said, man, this is a disaster, it's never going to be any good, and you said, no, 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 I believe this is great. I know that they're going to be a person who's going to walk, you know, in the Lord, and they're going to know God, and their life's going to be healed, and they're going to be touched, and they're going to be changed. You go, that's a weird thought. That's not going to happen. By faith, by faith, by faith, that's the word of God. That's what his will is, and that's what he's got. See, that's the direction that I'm going. And if you allow yourself to walk in this kind of renewal, it'll begin to break down. See, the renewal begins to break down all the things in your life that are barriers between you wanting to do the things. Didn't I say in the beginning that sometimes your mind and and, and your flesh, they're not exactly excited about the things that God has for you to do. They're not excited about the direction. They're not excited about maybe being nice to somebody you don't like. You know, I mean, they don't want to do those kind of things. But if you'll renew your mind to the word of God, it begins to break down those barriers in your life. It begins to break those things down. Now, all of a sudden, you're wanting, you're doing those things. 
Why? Because you're walking by the Spirit and not the flesh anymore. And if you renew your mind to the Word of God, you're following after Him. And all of a sudden, this vine that only existed in your prayer closet or in the church when you were praising and worshiping God or whatever, it's following you everywhere that you go. Have you seen the Fidelity commercials where the green line goes and, you know, they've got to follow the green line? And if you follow the green, that's like the vine, man. It follows you everywhere you go if you allow Him to take you there. The guy says, no, I don't want to go that way. I'm going to follow this line right here. And if you'll do those things, it breaks down those barriers. And so now it's not to the point where I want to unhook myself from the vine. Now it's to the point where I don't want to be unhooked from the vine. And see, it said in the beginning that all of us, you know, that he's working in us the will and the, the ability to do both the will and the do, both of those things together. When what does it say in Romans? If you go to chapter 12 too, it says that you're going to prove that his will is what? Acceptable, good, and perfect. And how many of you have those moments in your prayer closet, you think that's true. But when you live it out in the flesh, you're thinking, no, it ain't. See, it begins to break down that barrier to where now all of a sudden you know that his will for your life is perfect. You know that his will for your life is good. You know that his will, your, his will for your life is acceptable. And it becomes your own. You begin to embrace. It's totally, what's it done now? It's totally transformed who you were and the way you thought. It's totally changed. Now all of a sudden your perception is different. And see, through this process of renewal in your life, man, your life is changing left and right. You're not counting on you anymore. You're counting on God. You're not looking to open up the doors. God's opening up for you. You're not worried about that relationship. God's doing something back there. So you're not worried about your job. God's working behind the scenes. See, now all of a sudden, everywhere that you go, you're seeing all the good things that God has for you. I mean, isn't that what we believe for? Isn't that what the Word says about us? It says that he'll meet all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's renewing my mind to the word. That's renewal. Now all of a sudden I'm being transformed. I know that it's the truth. I went through, and I may do it on Sunday at the offering. I mean, I went through and I shared with the young people last night. Man, just because you've had one victory doesn't mean there's not going to be other victories down the road. And when you went through that victory, it was a little tough. When you went through that victory, you had to step out in faith. When you went through that first place, you had to hear God's word. You had to know what he said. You had to renew your mind to that. And then you had to go forward in that. And I shared a few victories in our life financially. And I told them, it doesn't get any easier the farther you get. I mean, you're still having to come back to the basics and say, what did God say? That settles it. That's the direction we're going. It's just the costs now. And, and the, you know, now you're not just two people sitting in a hut in debt, not having to worry about much. Now, you know, you got two kids, two kids in college. You got this and you got, you know, all of a sudden now it's all these things. But thank God I had those days. Thank God I had that next moment. Thank God I had that next victory. Thank God we renewed our mind. Thank God we didn't stop along the way. See, in your life, I bet you, you know, you're, you're thinking, boy, I'm, thank God I didn't stop back there. I'm glad I didn't stop two years ago. I'm glad I didn't stop last week when I felt like I wanted to give up, but I kept pushing through and I kept believing and I kept speaking and I kept doing I mean, it's another opportunity for a victory. It's not an opportunity for defeat. It's an opportunity for victory. Renew your mind. Be transformed and be changed. It breaks down all those things. It stops all the lies of the enemy. It begins, see, you've got, you got a shield of faith and a sword of the Spirit. Begin to swing the sword and knock down the things. And as you go, you continue to grow and you're still hooked to the vine. And now all of a sudden things are happening. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're looking. I mean, it's taken a long time. Pastor Bill's known the Lord for a long time. Pastor Pam's known the Lord 35 years this Saturday right? 35 years. You weren't there the days in the early days when she would breathe on us and say, do I smell like cigarettes? When we were going into church. Now I need a couple more mints, mom. 
I don't think she needed more mints, man. I just, you know, I just like to watch her like, oh, panic, put some more mints down. Let's see if we can get her to eat the whole pack of gum before she gets in service. She's got a... I mean, you weren't there then. But I mean, we all, you know, I mean, we all got that, we all got that happening, right? Now think of it this way in parenting. How many of you have said to your kids, you know, if they would only see it my way, you know, how many of you tried to sit your teenagers down or your young people down and said, if you would just see what I see, if you could just, I'm just telling you what's down the road. What do we say? I've got experience that you don't have yet. I see things that you don't see. If you would just believe me, if you would just understand what I'm saying, and if you would just follow what I'm telling you to do, you're not going to go that way and you're not going to make that choice and you're going to have success in your life. Now, how many of us think that God hasn't said the same thing to us? See, in our life, it's okay to tell our kids that. And, say, and don't we believe it? I mean, you're not lying. You're like, I went down that road. You don't want to go there. You don't want to make that choice. Let me tell you what's going to happen at that party. And you begin to man lay it out. And you know you're right. And if they could just open up their eyes and see it your way. If they could just say, Dad, I get it now. <coughs> You're brilliant. (laughs) Mom, where have you been all my life? You know, I mean, if they they would just do that, wouldn't that be good? But see, but but God's doing the same thing with us. See, doesn't he give us the Holy Spirit to tell us what? Things to come. And don't we say, oh, but God, I know what's going on. So I know it's okay. That won't happen to me. I'll be all right. Oh, that's just mom. She's old. That's just dad. He's old-fashioned. He doesn't know anything. Times have changed. Only to call you later. Come get me. Bad things have happened. I've been in trouble. See, but God's doing the same thing with us. He loves us, and he's given us his word. He's given us his Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can be renewed so that we can have our direction, so that we can know what we're supposed to do, so that our lives can be transformed and changed. Not just so we can receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but then from that point on, we can begin to walk it out in our life. I believe that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are now hooked to the vine. And whether or not we stay attached to the vine is what we do after that moment and if we walk in renewal or not. And I believe that that we're we're walking in His renewal. We're going that direction. We're going that path. But you've got to go back and you've got to look in your closet. You've got to go back and you've got to ask God. You've got to get on your knees and say, God, am I, what's up? Because I can fool myself sometimes. You know, I can kid myself. And so next week, you know, the last part of this message, the last part is, is not believing the lies. And not just the lies that the enemy tells you, but the lies that you tell you. Not believing the things that you say about yourself so that you can con yourself into doing something you want to do. When you know God said that wasn't something you should have done. We'll talk about how the devil came and what did he do? He lied to Jesus in Matthew in chapter 4, but Jesus replied with what? The truth. And the fact that the word of God is truth and that you can renew your mind to the word and not just renew your mind to the word, but then you can learn the word. You can know the word. You can begin to recite the word. You can begin to speak the word. Jesus replied with, it is written. There's no reason why those things happen in your life why you don't stop and say, it is written. When those things come against you, you begin to pray in the Spirit. God gives you the Word. He gives you the Scripture to meditate. This is part of renewal in your life. And you begin to do that. You're attached, and then all of a sudden, fruit comes out. Sometimes it shocks you. Have you been in those situations where something happened at the grocery store, and you would have given them the what for, but instead you prayed for them and said something really nice? 
And then you walked away and thought, who was that? Or your wife looked at you and said, what? Huh? And you look at her and you go, I don't know, man. It's just what happened. Praise God. Pastor Bill's rubbing off on me. Character, character change in your life, integrity. You'll be like Jesus if, if you'll give him time and if you'll renew your mind to the word. You will. It says so. God's not a man that he should lie. And it says that if you will not be conformed to this world, but will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed, completely changed by the renewing of your mind, then you will know that his will for your life is good, acceptable, and perfect, and that you will want to follow after that thing, and you'll do what he called you to do. That's what we all want in our life. None of us want to go around thinking, well, I'm going to get by with this, but I kind of want to play. Nobody wants to play both sides. There's no comfort in playing both sides. God even said, don't play both sides. Get on one side or get on the other. But I'll tell you, if you're going to walk in renewal, if you're going to renew your mind, you're abiding in the vine. And if you're abiding in the vine, then you will bear much fruit. So next week, we'll talk about truth. Let's stand up together tonight. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead today. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.